0: Chapter Five of Sylvia's Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sylvia's Lovers by Elizabeth Gaskell. Chapter Five. Story of the Press Gang. For a few days after the evening mentioned in the last chapter, the weather was dull. Not in quick, sudden showers did the rain come down, but in constant drizzle, blotting out all color from the surrounding landscape, and filling the air with fine gray mist, until people breathed more water than air. At such times the consciousness of the nearness of the vast unseen sea acted as a dreary depression to the spirits, but besides acting on the nerves of the excitable, such weather affected the sensitive or ailing in material ways. Daniel Robson's fit of rheumatism incapacitated him from stirring abroad, and to a man of his active habits, and somewhat inactive mind, this was a great hardship. He was not ill-tempered naturally, but this state of confinement made him more ill-tempered than he had ever been before in his life. He sat in the chimney-corner, abusing the weather, and doubting the wisdom or desirableness of all his wife saw fit to do in the usual daily household matters. The chimney-corner was really a corner at Hayter'sbank there were two projecting walls on each side of the fireplace running about six feet into the room and a stout wooden settle was placed against one of these while opposite was the circular-backed master's chair the seat of which was composed of a square piece of wood judiciously hollowed out and placed with one corner to the front here in full view of all the operations going on over the fire sat daniel robson for four live long days advising and directing his wife in all such minor matters as the boiling of potatoes the making of porridge all the work on which she specially piqued herself and on which she would have taken advice no not from the most skilled housewife in all the three ridings but somehow she managed to keep her tongue quiet from telling him as she would have done any woman and any other man to mind his own business or she would pin a dishclout to his tail she even checked sylvia when the latter proposed as much for fun as for anything else that his ignorant directions should be followed and the consequences brought before his eyes and his nose na na said bell the father's father and we mun respect him but it's dre work havin a man in the house nursin the fire in such weather too and not a soul coming near us not even to fall out wi him for thee and me mustna do that for the bible's sake dear and a good stand-up wordy quarrel would do him a power o good stir his blood like i wish philip would turn up bell sighed for in these four days she had experienced somewhat of madame de maintenon's difficulty and with fewer resources to meet it of trying to amuse a man who was not amusable for bell good and sensible as she was was not a woman of resources sylvia's plan undutiful as it was in her mother's eyes would have done daniel more good even though it might have made him angry than his wife's quiet careful monotony of action which however it might conduce to her husband's comfort when he was absent did not amuse him when present sylvia scouted the notion of cousin philip coming into their household in the character of an amusing or entertaining person till she nearly made her mother angry at her ridicule of the good steady young fellow to whom bell looked up as the pattern of all that early manhood should be but the moment Sylvia saw she had been giving her mother pain, she left off her wilful little jokes, and kissed her, and told her she would manage all famously, and ran out of the back kitchen in which mother and daughter had been scrubbing the churn and all the wooden implements of butter-making. Bell looked at the pretty figure of her little daughter, as, running past with her apron thrown over her head, she darkened the window beneath which her mother was doing her work. She paused just for a moment, and then said, almost unawares, to herself, "'Bless thee, lass!' before resuming her scouring of what already looked almost snow-white. Sylvia scampered across the rough farmyard in the wetting, drizzling rain to the place where she expected to find Kester, but he was not there, so she had to retrace her steps to the cowhouse, and making her way up a rough kind of ladder staircase fixed straight against the wall, she surprised Kester, as he sat in the wool loft, looking over the fleeces reserved for the home spinning, by popping her bright face, swathed round with her blue woolen apron, up through the trap-door, and thus, her head the only visible part, she addressed the farm-servant, who was almost like one of the family. "'Kester, Faye just tiring hisself with weariness and vexation, sitting by the fireside with his hands afore him, and not to do. And mother and me can't think on aught as'll rouse him up to a bit of a laugh, or aught more cheerful than a scolding. Now, Kester, thou mun just be off, and find Harry Donkin, the tailor, and bring him here.' it's getting on for Martinus, and he'll be coming his rounds and he may as well come here first as last and fayther's clothes want a deal o' mending up and harry's always full of his news and anyhow he'll do for fayther to scold and be a new person too and that's somewhat for all on us now go like a good old kester as you are kester looked at her with loving faithful admiration he had set himself his day's work in his master's absence and was very desirous of finishing it but somehow he never dreamed of resisting sylvia so he only stated the case Tools a vast a muck in it and a thought as i'd fettle it and do it up but i reckon i mun do your biddin there's a good old kester said she smiling and nodding her muffled head at him then she dipped down out of his sight then rose up again he had never taken his slow moony eyes from the spot where she had disappeared to say now kester be wary and deep thou mun tell harry donkin not to let on as we've sent for him but just to come in as if he were on his round and took us first and he mun ask faither if there's any work for him to do and i'll answer for it he'll have a welcome and a half now be deep and faus mind thee As deep and faus and is simple folk "'But what can I do if Duncan be as faust as me, as happen he may be?' "'Go away with thee. If Duncan be Solomon, thou ma be the Queen of Sheba, "'and I's bound for to say she outwitted him at last.' "'Kester laughed so long at the idea of his being the Queen of Sheba "'that Sylvia was back by her mother's side before the catchination ended. "'That night, just as Sylvia was preparing to go to bed in her little closet of a room, "'she heard some shot rattling at her window.' She opened the little casement, and saw Kester standing below. He recommenced where he left off, with a laugh. He, 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 I's been to Queen. I's taken Donkin on each side, and he'll come in to-morrow, just permiscus and ax for work, like as if twere a favour. Toad Felly were a bit cross-grained at startin', for he were workin' at Farmer Crosky's up t'other side o' town, where they puts a strike and a half a mout into the beer, when most folk put no but a strike and made him ill to convince, but he'll come, never fear. The honest fellow never said a word of the shilling he had paid out of his own pocket to forward Sylvia's wishes, and to persuade the tailor to leave the good beer. All his anxiety now was to know if he had been missed, and if it was likely that a scolding awaited him in the morning. Toward master didn't set up his back, cause I didn't come in to supper. He questioned a bit, as to what thou were about, but mother didn't know, and I held my peace.' mother carried thy supper into loft for thee i'll gang after't then for i'm like a pair of bellows without to wind just two flat sides would now betwixt. the next morning sylvia's face was a little redder than usual when harry donkin's bow legs were seen circling down the path to the house door here's donkin for sure exclaimed bell when she caught sight of him a minute after her daughter well i just call that lucky "'for he'll be company for thee "'while Sylvia and me has to turn to cheeses.' "'This was too original a remark for a wife to make, "'in Daniel's opinion, on this especial morning "'when his rheumatism was twinging him more than usual, "'so he replied with severity, "'That's all to women know about it. "'With them it's company, 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 "'and they think a man's no better than theirselves. "'I'd have you to know. "'I've a vasta thoughts in meself, as I'm no one willing to lay out for to benefit of every man, I've never gotten time for meditation sin I were married, married leastways sin I left to sea aboard ship would never a woman "'we in leagues a hail and upon to masthead in special a could then I'd better tell Donkin as we've no work for him, said Sylvia instinctively managing her father by agreeing with him instead of reasoning with or contradicting him. Now, there you go. "'Wrenching himself round, for fear Sylvia should carry her meekly made threat into execution. Ugh, og, og!' as his limb hurt him. "'Come in, Harry, come in, and talk a bit o' sense to me, "'for I've been shut up wi women these four days, and am a most natural by this time. "'I's bound for it, they'll find you some work, if tis not but to save their own fingers.' So Harry took off his coat and seated himself, professional-wise, on the hastily-cleared dresser, so that he might have all the light afforded by the long low casement window. Then he blew in his thimble, sucked his finger, so that they might adhere tightly together, and looked about for a subject for opening conversation, while Sylvia and her mother might be heard opening and shutting drawers and box-lids before they could find the articles that needed repair or that were required to mend each other. "'Women's well enough o' their way,' said Daniel, in a philosophising tone, "'but a man may have too much on him. "'Now there's me, leg fast these four days, "'and I'll make free to say to ye, "'I'd rather a deal o' been loadin' dung into wettest weather, "'and a reckon it's the bein' wi' not but women as tires me so. "'They talk so foolish it gets into bones like. "'Now thou know'st thou art not called much of a man orther, "'but bless ye, to ninth part's summat to be thankful for, "'after naught but women.' "'And yet, you seen, they were for sending you away in their foolishness. "'Well, missus, and who's to pay for to fetlin' of all them clothes?' "'As Belle came down with her arms full. "'She was going to answer her husband meekly and literally according to her wont. "'but Sylvia, already detecting the increased cheerfulness of his tone, "'called out from behind her mother, "'I am, father. I'm going for to sell my new cloak as I bought Thursday, "'for thy mending on your old coats and waistcoats.' can tell her,' said Daniel, chuckling. "'She's a true wench. Three days sin, none so full as she at a new cloak "'that she's now faint to sell. "'Aye, Harry, if father won't pay you for making all those clothes as good as new, "'I'll sell my new red cloak sooner than you shall go unpaid.' "'I reckon it's a bargain,' said Harry, "'casting sharp professional eyes on the heap before him, "'and singling out the best article as to texture for examination and comment.' they're all again these metal buttons said he silk weavers has been petitionin ministers to make a law to favour silk buttons and i did hear tell as there were informers goin about spyin after metal buttons and as how they could haul ye before a justice for wearin on em i were weddin em and i'll wear em to my dyin day or i'll wear none at all they're for makin such a pack o laws they'll be for meddlin wi my fashion a sleepin next and taxin me for every snore i give "'They've been after to winders, and after to viddle, and after to very salt in and it. it's dearer by half, and more nor it were when I were a boy. They're a meddlesome set of folks, lawmakers is, and I'll never believe King George as ought to do it. But mark my words, I will wed wi' brass buttons, and brass buttons I'll wear to my death, and if they moither me about it, I'll wear brass buttons in me coffin.' By this time Harry had arranged a certain course of action with Mrs. Robson, conducting the consultation and agreement by signs his thread was flying fast already and the mother and daughter felt more free to pursue their own business than they had done for several days for it was a good sign that daniel had taken his pipe out of the square hollow in the fireside wall where he usually kept it and was preparing to diversify his remarks with satisfying interludes of puffing Why look ye this very baccy had a run for it it came ashore sewed up neatly enough i a woman stays as was wife to a fishing smack down at to bay yonder she were a lean thing as ever ye saw when she went for to see her husband aboard the vessel but she come back lustier by a deal and with many a thing on her here and there beside baccy and that were in to face it a coastguard and yon tender and all but she made as though she were tipsy and so they did not but curse her and get out on her way speaking of tender there's been a piece o work in monkshaven this week with the press gang said harry ay ay our lass was tellin' about it but lord bless ye there's no getting to rights on a story out on a woman though i will say this for our sylvie she's as bright a lass as ever a man looked at now the truth was that daniel had not liked to demean himself at the time when sylvia came back so full of what she had seen at monkshaven by evincing any curiosity on the subject he had then thought that the next day he would find some business that should take him down to the town when he could learn all that was to be learnt without flattering his womankind by asking questions as if anything they might say could interest him he had a strong notion of being a kind of domestic jupiter it's made a deal o work in monkshaven folk had gotten to think nought o the tender she lay so still and a lieutenant paid such a good price for all he wanted for the ship but a thursday to resolution first whaler back this season came in port and to press gang showed their teeth and carried off four as good able-bodied seamen as iver i made trousers for and to place were all up like a nest o wasps when you've set your foot in de the midst they were so mad they were ready for to fight the very paving stones i wish i'd been there i just wish i had i've a score for to reckon up with the press gang and the old man lifted up his right hand his hand, on which the forefinger and thumb were maimed and useless, partly in denunciation, and partly as a witness of what he had endured to escape from the service, abhorred, because it was forced. His face became a totally different countenance, with the expression of settled and unrelenting indignation, which his words called out. "'Go on, man, go on,' said Daniel, impatient with Donkin for the little delay occasioned by the necessity of arranging his work more fully. "'Aye, aye, all in good time.' for i've a long tale to tell yet and i munna have someone to iron me out my seams and look me out my bits For there's none here fit for my purpose dang thy bits here sylvie sylvie come and be tailor's man and let the chap get settled sharp for i'm fain to hear his story sylvia took her directions and placed her irons in the fire and ran upstairs for the bundle which had been put aside by her careful mother for occasions like the present it consisted of small pieces of various coloured cloth cut out of old coats and waistcoats and similar garments when the whole had become too much worn for use yet when part had been good enough to be treasured by a thrifty housewife daniel grew angry before donkin had selected his patterns and settled the work to his own mind well said he at last a mout be a young man a-goin a wooin by t pains thou'st taken for to match my old clothes i don't care if they're patched with scarlet i tell thee so as thou'lt work away at thy tail with thy tongue same time as thou works at thy needle with thy fingers then as i were saying all monkshaven were like a nest o wasps flyin' hither and thither and making sich a buzzin' and a talkin' as never were and each wi his sting out ready for to vent his venom o rage and revenge and women cryin' and sobbing into streets when lord help us a saturday came a worse time than ever for all friday there had been a kind o of expectation and dismay about her good fortune as to mariners had said was off st ab's head a thursday when to resolution came in and there was wives and maids wi husbands and sweethearts aboard to good fortune ready to throw their eyes out on their heads wi gazing gazing norwards o'er to sea, as were all one haze a blankness wi rain. and when the afternoon tide comed in and niver a line on her to be seen Folk were uncertain as to whether she were holdin' off for fear of the tinder, as were out of sight, too, or what were her make o' going on. And to poor, wet, draggled women folk came up to town, some slowly crying as if their hearts was sick, and others just bent their heads to the wind and went straight to their homes, no lookin' looking nor speaking to any one, but barred their doors and stiffened their cells up for a night o' waiting." Saturday morn, ye will mind Saturday morn, it was stormy and gusty, downright dirty weather. There stood the folk again by daylight, a watchin' and a strainin', and by that tide the good fortune come o'er the bar. But men had sent back her news by to boat as took em there. They'd a deal of oil and a vast a blubber, but for all that her flag was droopin' in the rain, half-mast high, for mourning and sorrow. And they'd a dead man aboard, a dead man as was livin' and strong last sunrise, and there was another as lay between life and death, and there was seven more as should a been there as war not but was carried off by the gang. The frigate, as weena heard tell on, as lyin' off Hartlepool, got tidings for to tender as captured de seaman a Thursday, and the Aurora, as they caw'd her, made off for to Norward, and nine leagues off Saint Ab's head, the resolution thinks she were she seed de frigate, and knowed by her build she were a man o' war, and guessed she were bound on king's kidnapping. I seen de wounded man myself with me own eyes, and he'll live, he'll live, niver a man died yet with such a strong purpose of vengeance in him. He could barely speak, for he were badly shot, but his colour come and went, as to master's mate and the captain telled me and some others how the roar of fired at em, and how the innocent whale hoisted her colours but afore they were fairly run up another shot come close in the shrouds and then the greenland ship being at windward bore down on the frigate but as they knew she were an oud fox and bent on mischief kinraid that's he who lies a dyin, only he'll non die as bound the specksioneer bade the men go down between decks and fasten the hatches well and he'd stand guard he and captain and owed master's mate being left up to deck for to give a welcome just skin deep to the boat's crew from the aurora as they could see coming towards em o'er the water, with a regular man-o'-war's rowin', "'Damn said Daniel, in soliloquy, and under his breath. Sylvia stood, poising her iron, and listening eagerly, afraid to give Donkin the hot iron for fear of interrupting the narrative, unwilling to put it into the fire again, because that action would perchance remind him of his work, which now the tailor had forgotten, so eager was he in telling his story. "'Well!' They come on over to water with great bounds, and up the sides they come like locusts, all armed men. And the captain says, He saw Kinraid hide away his whaling-knife under some tarpaulin, and he knew he meant mischief, and he would no more a-stopped him wi a word, nor he would a-stopped him from killing a whale. And when the Roarer's men were aboard, one of them runs to the helm, and at that the captain says, He felt as if his wife were kissed afore his face, but says he, "'I bethought me on the men as were shut up below hatches, "'and I remembered the folk at Monkshaven "'as were looking out for us even then, "'and I said to myself "'I would speak fair as long as I could, "'more by token of the wailing-knife "'as I could see glintin right under the black tarpaulin.' "'So he spoke quite fair and civil, "'though he'd seed they was near in the aurora, "'and the aurora was near in them. "'Then the navy captain hailed him through the trumpet, "'with a great rough blast, and says he, "Order your men to come out on deck.' and the captain of the whaler says his men cried up from under the hatches as they'd never be given up without bloodshed and he sees kinraid take out his pistol and look well to the priming so he says to the navy captain we are protected greenland men and ye've no right to meddle with us but the navy captain only bellows the more order your men to come on deck if they won't obey you "'and you have lost the command of your vessel, "'I reckon you're in a state of mutiny, "'and you may come aboard to Aurora, "'and such men as are willing to follow you, "'and I'll fire into the rest. "'You see, that were the depth of the man. "'He were for pretendin' and pretextin', "'as the captain couldna manage his own ship, "'and as he'd help him. "'But our Greenland captain were none so poor-spirited, "'and says he, "'She's full of oil, "'and I wear your consequences if you fire into her. "'And anyhow, pirate or no pirate,' for the word "pirate" stuck in his gizzard i'm an honest monkshaven man and i come for a land where there's great icebergs and many a deadly danger but niver a press gang thank god and that's what you are i reckon them's the words he told me but whether he spoke em out so bold at the time as not so sure they were in his mind for to speak only maybe prudence got the better on him for he said he prayed in his heart to bring his cargo safe to the owners come what might Well. So aurora's men aboard the good fortune cried out might they fire down the hatches and bring the men out that way and then the specksioneer he speaks and he says he stands o'er the hatches and he has two good pistols and some summat besides and he don't care for his life being a bachelor but all below are married men you see and he'll put an end to the first two chaps as come near the hatches and they say he picked off two as made for to come near and then just as he were stooping for the whale and knife and it's as big as a sickle "'Teach folks as don't know a whaling knife,' cried Daniel. "'I were a Greenland man myself.' "'They shot him through the side, and dizzied him, and kicked him aside for dead, "'and fired down the hatches, and killed one man, and disabled two. "'And then the rest cried for quarter, for life is sweet, e'en aboard a king's ship. "'And the Aurora carried him off, wounded men, and able men, and all, "'leaving Kinraid for dead, as wasn't dead, and Darley for dead, as was dead, "'and the captain and master's mate, as were too old for work.' "'and the captain, as loveskin raid like a brother, "'poured rum down his throat and bandaged him up, "'and is sent for the first doctor in Monkshaven "'for to get the slugs out. "'For they say there's never such a harpooner "'in the Greenland seas, "'and I can speak from my own "'seeing he's a fine young fellow "'where he lies there, "'all stark and wan for weakness and loss of blood. "'But Darley's dead as a door-nail, "'and there'll be such a buryin' of him "'as never was seen afore in Monkshaven come Sunday. "'And now gist iron wench, "'and let's lose no more time a talking. "'It's noin loss o' time,' said Daniel, moving himself heavily in his chair, "'to feel how helpless he was once more. "'If I were as young as once I were—' "'Nay, lad, if I had nae these sore rheumatics now, "'I reckon as to press gang'd find out as to shouldn't do such things for nothing. "'Bless thee, man, it's war nor in my youth, in Merricky war, and then twere bad enough.' "'And Kinraid?' asked Sylvia, drawing a long breath after the effort of realizing it all her cheeks had flushed up and her eyes had glittered during the progress of the tale oh he'll do he'll not die life's stuff in him yet. he'll be molly corny's cousin i reckon said sylvia bethinking her with a blush of molly corny's implication that he was more than a cousin to her and immediately longing to go off and see molly and hear all the little details which women do not think it beneath them to give to women from that time sylvia's little heart was bent on this purpose, but it was not one to be openly avowed even to herself. She only wanted sadly to see Molly, and she almost believed herself that it was to consult her about the fashion of her cloak, which Donkin was to cut out, and which she was to make under his directions. At any rate, this was the reason she gave to her mother, when the day's work was done, and a fine gleam came out upon the pale and watery sky towards evening. End of chapter 5